I trust your Bibles are prepared. Tonight we're in the book of 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3 for the preaching of God's word. And tonight I'll be reading one verse, and that's verse number 23. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 23. The Bible says, and this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your presence in our lives. We thank you for being a hiding place, a rock, a shelter, a fortress from all the various things that are happening around us. We know that we can rest in this hiding place. We can know that your protective hand is able. And we ask the Lord for your continued guidance and wisdom for us. Strengthen our faith even as we hide in you. The Lord, we humbled by your love for us and we ask dear Lord that you would help us to love you even more thank you for the great salvation that you've afforded to us through your precious son and I ask dear Lord tonight as your word goes forth that you would speak to each heart in a very special way give me the words you'll have me to say and I pray that these words will be a source of encouragement and a source of strength to each person who would listen I ask that you would meet each need as only you can and we thank you once again for your precious word. Stir the hearts of every believer. And if there's someone who does not know you as personal Lord and Savior, may tonight be the night of their salvation. Take full control. Thank you once again for what you're doing. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for standing. You may be seated. I want to begin tonight by making a, a statement. And that statement is simply this that there is a difference between complexity and difficulty. For example, pushing a huge boulder up a hill might not be as much complex as it is difficult. Fighting a virus that is changing and mutating might be complex, and that complexity can cause difficulty. But there is a distinct distinction to be observed and a difference between something being complex and something being difficult. As it pertains to living the Christian life, I would submit to us here tonight that the Christian life, in my view, is more difficult at times than it is complex. You see, God has, in his word, given us basic instructions. And in our text tonight, as we read in verse number 23, I see here a very simple and basic instruction that is devoid of complexity. 
It is devoid of confusion. It is devoid of anything that is beyond our ability to understand. And this instruction is simply this. That in living our Christian life, we ought to believe God. Amen? Amen. Now, does that sound complex to anybody here tonight? At times, we find it difficult, however, to do. Jesus spent much of his ministry here on earth authenticating who he was so that people would believe who he was. John sums up this commandment in verse number 23, and I'd like to read it again. And he says, this is his commandment that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. My friend, when it comes to living the Christian life, that really is the sum total of what we are asked to do, to believe God. That's it. And we have seen various messages and through his word that the reason why belief is so vital, why it is so critical, why it's so important to living this Christian life, because belief affects behavior. And when we don't believe right, we don't behave right. And so tonight, we want to be able to examine this very simple command, one that we often seem to find difficult based on the circumstances we find ourselves in. But when you boil it down, as we say, to the nitty-gritty, God has one instruction for us to simply believe on his son, Jesus Christ. Not complex, not rocket science, not something that is beyond our ability to comprehend, but to believe God. We have been looking here in 1 John for some time at what it means to live out the Christian life. And we have been observing in the verses prior that a Christian who is going to manifest what it means to live the Christian life and to be authenticated by a number of practices is going to be led by the Spirit of God. And we observed that God has given us a conscience that we ought to allow to be molded by the Spirit, to be guided. In other words, to acquire what I call a spiritual conscience. We saw that this spiritual conscience is sharpened by compliance. It is also seared by contempt. If we're not led by the Spirit of God, after a while, we lose the ability to comprehend what it is God really wants us to do. We saw in verse number 22 that there's a special connection that we have 
That when we are obedient to God, when we are being led by the Spirit of God, my friend, we experience the blessing of seeing God answer our prayers. Why? Because we are asking in alignment with his will, through the leading of the Holy Spirit. What a blessing. What a privileged position to be in. But let's notice in verse number 23, if we're going to be led by the Spirit of God, we have to understand this very specific command. The specific command to believe on the name of his Son, Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to notice with me, it says to believe on his name. Now, all of us here tonight, we have names. And a name has significance. It has meaning. It has value. But the reason why a name has significance and meaning and and value is because the name is about an identity. The name is connected and associated with a person. So when God says, believe on the name of his son, he's really saying that we are to believe on Jesus himself, who he is. So God wants us to believe on his name, and in believing on his name, we believe, first of all, in who he is. I'm a sports fan. Not as big as I was when I was younger, but I follow it casually and keep abreast of what's happening. And if you're a sports fan, you would know that there are certain people who you have, you are a fan of a particular person. You believe in that person. You believe in their ability to come through in the crunch time, in the tough spots. So when the time comes, you want them to be the one who gets the ball. You want them to be the one who's at the wicket to make a big play. Why? Because you believe in who they are, in their ability to perform. Oftentimes we believe in politicians, don't we? We believe that they're the one who are going to make things better. They're the one who's going to bring about some transformation. Why? Because we believe in them. Children often believe in their teachers, don't they? The teacher said, and no matter what you say, you can't get their mind changed. We believe in our parents. They will, pro- they will have our backs. They will provide. They will protect. They will defend. We believe in pastors. They're going to do the right thing. They're going to lead by example. We believe in our friends. They'll be there for us. We tend to believe in our children that they will do what we taught them. But here's the reality. All of these individuals and entities at some point can and will fail. 
But my friend, when it comes to Jesus, the Son of God, he will never fail. Why? Because he's God the Son and he is the Son of God. You see, this reality of who Jesus is is what is disputed among those who don't believe. When Jesus lived and the time he spent here on earth, who he was, this was the crux of what was disputed throughout his earthly ministry. He was attacked by the chief priests and the leaders of the day, the religious leaders and the Pharisees. Why? Not because he was a carpenter's son as they would see him, but because they could not come to grips with who he was. Turn with me in your Bible to John chapter 6. I want us to understand the very important function of belief. And this is really the crux of whether a person is a child of God or not. Look at John's Gospel, chapter 6 and verse 26. And this is just after Jesus had fed the 5,000. Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, ye seek me not because he saw the miracles, but because he did eat the loaves and were filled. Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which a son of man shall give unto you, for him hath the Father sealed. They said unto him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God, that he what? Believe on him who hath, whom he hath sent. Now look at verse 30. They have just seen him feed 5,000 plus, more like 15,000, with five loaves and two fish. They said, therefore, unto him, What sign showest thou then, that we may see and believe thee? What dost thou work? Now, when people don't believe, they just don't believe. What else can you do? Now, look at verse number 41. Then the Jews murmured at him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, Is not just Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it that he said, I came down from heaven? Back and forth, and on and on and on. They could not come to grips with who he was. We must believe that Jesus is who he said he is. Amen? But here's something that happens. When you believe in someone, when you believe in and on who they really are, guess what? You also believe in what they say. When you believe in someone, you give credence to what they say. You believe what they say to be true. Not picking on politicians tonight, but I believe that's why they get away with saying things over and over. Even though they don't accomplish it, Because the individuals believe in them. 
So they believe in what they say even when it doesn't happen. But when you believe in someone, you believe in what they say. And my friend, when it comes to Jesus, if we're going to believe in him and understand who he is, we must believe what he has said. That's what it means to believe in his name. What he's saying. I believe it to be true. Then I respond. Recognizing that what he has said. Is true. We are to believe in who he is. We are to believe in. What he has said. And we also are to believe. In what he does. Amen. Amen. Believe in what he does. Jesus had just performed this miracle. And even though they saw the miracle with their own eyes, they still did not believe in what he did. In other words, they did not give what he did the validity that it should have been given. Still happening today. Jesus gave his life on a rugged cross and suffered and bled and died was placed in the grave for three days and rose again and people still do not believe in what he did. Even those who stood by the grave when the stones were rolled away don't believe in what he did for the forgiveness of their sin. And my friend, so when, when, when God says to us that to believe on his name, he's talking about more than just a superficial thinking. He's talking about more than just uh, an acknowledgement that Jesus existed. It's talking about believing on who he is, believing in what he says, and believing in what he does. And that's what we often find difficult because when circumstances don't go our way, we then begin to wonder, hmm, God, are you who you really said you are? Are you still in charge? Are you still in control? Can I trust in your promises? Do you still perform miracles? Have you lost your power to heal? Isn't that often where we find ourselves? God is saying, by way of authenticating who we are as believers, you hear what we're called? Believers. But do the believers believe? He says that is your singular responsibility to believe on him. And in closing, there's two things ultimately. This is so simple. When I say simple, I'm talking about devoid of complexity. That our Christian life can be summed up in, first of all, belief for salvation 
and belief for service. Salvation comes about as a result of belief. Romans chapter 10 and verse 9 and 10 says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. In other words, when you believe in your heart, listen, your mouth confesses what you believe. That's why you ought to confess with your mouth what God has done for you. It is a sign of the belief in your heart. And so belief brings about salvation. But belief also brings about service. Look at Luke chapter 6. Jesus, sometimes probably being annoyed of going back and forth with these skeptics and these doubters, said in verse 46 of Luke's gospel, chapter 6, And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Jesus says, I'm not impressed with lip service. I'm not impressed with you just telling me, oh, I believe on you. But when I tell you what to do, you do something completely different. And so the Christian life is continually hinged on belief because belief results in service. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 28 and verse 19 and 20 is our marching orders. Our marching orders for service. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to do what? Observe all things. Whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. God is saying, now that you have believed on me for salvation, your responsibility until I return is to serve me, to carry out my instructions, to do what I tell you. Why? Because you believe in me. You believe on me. You understand who I am. And when we understand who he is, we're able to manifest that belief with a particular behavior that's guided by what he says. And we are convinced when we look and see what he does. Christian life, it's all about belief. And I trust that as we live in these times where many people's belief is being shaken, 
I pray that our belief would be strengthened and solidified because we understand who we believe in. Not an average man, not a human, but it's God the Son, the Son of God.